0: Okay. Hi everyone. Good evening. So, um, I think I going to start with just a few very, I, I'm I'm hoping brief remarks, um, and then we're going to sit for a while. And then, um, then I might have a few words to say after that, but maybe we'll see. And then, I definitely want to leave time for some discussion conversation after that okay So um, I think the thing that I just want to say before we sit as a kind of way of kind of um, priming our minds you know for the practice that we're about to do and I think you know actually just you know on that, note, I think um, one of the things that I've come to appreciate more and more um, over the years, especially the last handful of years uh, as I've been teaching meditation um, more regularly, is the deep importance of um, how we understand, talk about, and think about what we're doing when we are practicing meditation. Um, I think there was a time early in my meditation life when I just, I didn't actually think it was that important, um, what we said about what we're doing, that it was just the sitting alone, that was the key thing. Um, and uh, and that, you know, the talks that I'd go to, Dharma talks, the books I'd read, that those would be inspiring, um, but not necessarily shaping of what I was doing when I was sitting. I mean, there'd be like instructions, maybe. At a certain point, I was looking for some guidance and just instructions. But I felt like once I got a sense of what it was to meditate, that it wasn't really important like what other kind of ideas I had about it. And um, I've come to think that actually that's really not the case and that it is actually deeply important what we um, think we are doing when we meditate. I I, I don't know how many of you have been keeping up with the kind of renaissance of interest in psychedelics you know it's sort of everywhere in the culture right um and i'm, I'm pleased about that and there's obviously a sort of interesting sort of sort of parallel intersection to the path of meditation um but one key concept in the world of psychedelics and psychedelic therapy or it's this idea of set and setting um set meaning mindset and then setting being the setting in which you do it. And one of the reasons why it's been very difficult to do scientific studies, like rigorous scientific studies of psychedelics is because um, so much depends on these things that really you can't control that much, which is the mindset of the person. You can control the setting, you can make the setting comfortable, You can, uh, but the, the mindset of the person taking the psychedelic is as important, maybe even more important than the drug itself. Um, so, um, and it's not as if this, the, uh, those chemicals have some kind of predictable effect on human consciousness, divorced from everything else, including the setting that is taken in or the mindset the person takes you. No, actually, the mindset that the person has when they take a psychedelic profoundly affects the kind of experience you're going to have. Um, and um, And I've come to think that actually that's a really good analogy to meditation, that the mindset that we have when we practice meditation is as um, a huge influence on the experience of meditation as well. Um, and so are we approaching meditation in a goal-oriented way, thinking that we're, we're climbing up steps of a ladder to some kind of ultimate achievement, you know, um, do we think of meditation as uh something that's gonna improve us, fix us in some way? You know, that's gonna affect the kind of experience that we have when we're meditating. Um or are we trying to approach meditation um not in a goal-oriented way, but as a way of discovering something sort of inherent in who we are? Um a sort of kind of perfection that we think is already there but that might be obscured because we just can't see it clearly for some reason you know that's the approach that i generally take in these classes but um, i i don't need to get into the, all the difference but i'm just i think uh, um just there i think i used to think that there was just a technique like one might think oh you just take a certain kind of drug and that like that's that that will just affect you in a certain predictable way and that people who meditate across different traditions, across different kinds of teachings, different kinds of methods, are all essentially doing the same thing. And I've actually come to feel that that's actually not really the case, that the kind of philosophical, sort of theoretical sort of atmosphere in which you practice actually has a very profound impact on the experience of the practice. And maybe even the outcome of the practice as well so um so anyway so that's along those lines i think a bit of what i want to sort of like you know introduce into the our sort of meditative atmosphere um as a kind of prelude to our sitting tonight um is the way in which you know We think a lot about how meditation practice can give us access to um, the ways in which we are deeply interconnected with others around us, um, other other humans, other maybe non-human animals, even the natural world, that we can sort of get in touch with this basic unity or oneness, the underlying, the kind of sense of separation, separateness that colors our usual day-to-day experience. We go around feeling like we're cut off from others, cut off from the uh, the natural world, cut off even from parts of ourselves. And I think one of the sort of deep articles of faith underlying meditation practice as uh, Especially as I'm teaching it here, um, this is this is consistent with the whole basic Zen outlook, right? Is that there is a kind of basic oneness, a basic non-duality, a non-separation, that is the truth of our existence, which, for various reasons, because the nature of the human mind, the nature of our various our sort of upbringings, our histories, that we feel sort of cut off from, that we don't feel that this is one of the the root sources of the suffering that so many of us carry around with us, um, so that you know, and and, um, and I think that you know, it sounds kind of potentially cheesy and and and, um, uh, and cliche, but it's really true. Like you know, one of the things that people often say um, or realize after extensive deep meditation practice, is like you know, all is one. Right. This is actually a kind of you know kind of insight that a lot of different religious traditions give rise to, but definitely something that is at the core of what um, Buddhist meditation is all about. This experience, this insight, this realization that that all is one, right, um, and that our individuality, our separateness, is an aspect of that. But it's not the, the 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 end of it, right? That we, of course, have separate minds, separate life trajectories, separate stories—all that—and um, those are necessary to function in the world. But the underlying all that—that's where deeper truth about all of this is actually that there's a deep interconnection between all of us. Okay. Um, and um. One of the kind of interesting things though is that when we actually like get down to the nitty gritties of practice itself on the cushion, we don't often actually practice in a way that truly approaches everything as um, a part of ourselves. Or as, um, this, it's our practice on the cushion is often in some interesting ways inconsistent with this insight, this tr- essential truth that all is one. Because what we actually do when we sit down and we do some practice, like we're following the breath, right? Or we're um, trying to settle the mind in some way, is that we usually kind of carefully discriminate between those parts of ourselves and those parts of our experience that we think are good and those parts of ourselves that we'd rather not have right now, that we'd rather not be experiencing. Right? Um, it could be just the kind of stress or anxiety that we're feeling on a given day. Or it could be certain kinds of emotions that might um, be coloring our life at that particular time, or just may emerge in that particular meditation session. We say, "Oh yeah, you know, yeah, all is one, but not not this. This is actually blocking me from experiencing that. So I would like to not feel this anxiety. I'd like to not feel this tension. I'd like to not feel this fear, so I can get to this underlying. So it's like everything is one, except for this, which like let me just use my meditation practice in order to like." Get that push that to the side because that doesn't fit with my picture of what i think oneness should feel like you know um and i one of the things that we should do tonight when we sit but also that we should be doing anytime we're sitting or practicing anyway whether it's on or off the cushion is being awake to the ways in which we are discriminating in this way, sort of carving up our experience and saying, This is okay, this is not. You know, this is something that I'm okay with experiencing, but this is something I'm not. And can we say more and more as we practice longer and longer? Can we say yes to more and more? Can we say okay to more and more of whatever might arise moment by moment so that we are not using our meditation practice as a way of carving up ourselves or dissociating from parts of ourselves, trying to get rid of parts of ourselves, but rather more and more moving towards that sort of basic wholeness our unification which is the truth of our existence if only we could come to see it and live it right so out of this might sound kind of you know, philosophical or theoretical but it's meant to be the most practical sort of advice for the meditator. Right? When we see tension arise, how do you respond, right? Do you say, no, no, that's not, no, I that's not good. And I'm trying to like, let me calm myself down, right? Let me, let me, let me get rid of that tension. Let me, let me somehow focus in on the breath so I can just like settle this tension down or take my mind off it, move away from it. When anxiety arises, Can we say yes to that? Or are we using our meditation practice to say, no, I don't want that. Fill in the blank with whatever state, sensation, feeling, thought is at your edge or beyond the edge of what you can tolerate or want to tolerate. So wherever you say no. Um, When you are focused on the breath and you notice thoughts arising, right? Can you acknowledge the thoughts, stay with the breath, but not use the breath as a way of pushing away those thoughts, right? So really pay careful, detailed attention to the spirit in which you practice. And ask yourself, is this a technique I'm using to get away from parts of myself that I'd rather not acknowledge or experience? Or is this a way of ever more and more being able to say yes to whatever comes up? Um, And then, of course, we all, have our edge. We all have our limits of what we will and will not be able to tolerate at a given moment. And then can we just acknowledge that edge with compassion and kindness, but see that edge as the place the practice is really working on. So we can open our hands and our arms more and more widely, right? um so let's just sit together for a bit and really like think of this as a practice about saying yes to whatever arises and um ending towards wholeness right rather than increasing the inner kind of fragmentation and alienation that actually is the root of so much of our suffering to begin with okay so please get into a comfortable position and you might just rock forward and backward a little bit just side to side just gently just a little bit just to find that still point where you feel balanced, neither leaning too much forward or back, too much to the side. Take a few deep breaths, nice deep slow breaths, breathing in through the nose, and exhaling slowly through your slightly open mouth. just take a few more deep breaths in this way deep inhalations through the
1: nose
0: exhale through your slightly open mouth You know, let your mouth come to a close, breathe in and out through your nose, and now just let your breath come and go its own pace, no longer intentionally managing it in anyway, just letting the breath find its own natural rhythm. Really try to let go of any control of the breath, just letting the breath breathe itself. now let's bring our awareness to the sensations of the breath and please choose any spot that feels good to you like you can follow the breath in the nose you can feel the sensations of the rise and fall of the chest or the movement of the belly he is just to really feel the sensations of the breath. We're not just thinking about the breath, we're really feeling the sensations produced by the breath. And whenever you lose track of the breath because you become lost in thought, distracted in some way, just notice what has pulled you away from the breath, whether it's a thought, a feeling, a sensation, whatever it may be. And then gently bring your awareness back to the breath. And remember that the breath is not meant to feel any particular way. Your breath may be quick and shallow, uneven. It's okay. Just let the breath be however it wants to be. you notice your mind saying about particular aspects of your experience right now that you wish things didn't feel a particular way maybe you wish the breath felt freer or deeper or looser maybe you wish that you didn't have tension in a particular part of the body or maybe you wish that the mind was quieter right now just notice the ways in which Your mind is judging your present moment experience. And can you just let your experience be whatever it's like? This is what it's like to sit right now, to be with the breath. Doesn't have to be pleasant or Any particular way. And while you continue following the breath in this way, please include in your awareness the sounds in the space around you. you may find it difficult holding both sounds and breath and awareness simultaneously. If so, just let your awareness move back and forth between the breath and the sounds, just toggling back and forth in a leisurely way. Now what I'd like you to do is to just soften or widen your awareness so that you're continuing to follow the breath, continuing to hear the sounds around you. But you also have room in your awareness for other sensations in your body and other sensations or perceptions from your environment. So it's like, A third of your awareness is on the breath, a third of your awareness is on sounds, and the other third of your awareness is just open, just noticing whatever arises. remember we're not trying to get somewhere, we're trying to achieve any special kind of experience, we're just opening to our experience as it is, just letting be whatever this moment is like. Right now, can you feel the sensations of the breath? Can you hear the sounds around you? Can you feel the sensations throughout the body? Sensations produced by the contact between your body and the seat beneath you. And is there some part of this present moment, some part of your experience in this moment, however small that you feel yourself resisting, not wanting, just notice what that feels like, that resistance, and see if you can just soften around that resistance. Let even that resistance just be there as part of this moment. Not something to fight, not something to struggle against, just let all of it just be as it is. Breath, thoughts, sensations, perception. Just let them all be there, coming, going, part of the ongoing flux of the present moment. No need to fight anything. Just let it all be whatever way it is. Moment by moment. Do you feel any boredom, any irritation or discomfort? Just notice what that feels like and how you react to it. Can you just observe it with curiosity? It's good for now. Please feel free to move around, get comfortable, get a drink of water. I don't know if all of you have experienced this but once in a while when you're sitting sometimes you just like have no idea what you're doing what 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 am i supposed to be doing you know like and you feel kind of lost it's weird because you know it's not that complicated um or shouldn't be that complicated but that feeling of like not knowing is real like what, what wait what am i doing and um I think a nice thing to remind ourselves when we feel like that, or even when we don't, but especially when we feel like that, is just whatever is going on, however you're feeling at that particular moment, just be that. Just be that feeling. Just you know, just let that be your experience and let it be. And, um, because sometimes they're like, "Wait, am I supposed to be following the breath? Am I am I supposed to listen to sound? Wait, what what am I doing? You know, it's like just whatever you're feeling, just be that." Um. Sometimes it's we make things more complicated than necessary. So thoughts or questions, or just would people like to share what their experience um, during the sitting was like? Jim.
1: Yeah. Hi, Bernie. I I really enjoyed this meditation tonight. And it was really um, kind of interesting that I too was feeling a bit lost and at various points, I just tried to allow that to be welcomed into the experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think what I wanted to say was getting back to your, uh, the way you said it, maybe sitting for meditation could be like analogous to preparing for a psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking of how, how you set the conditions for both. Mm -hmm. And, um, maybe you this word, I'm not sure, but intention came to my mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find in my own practice, when I set an intention, I'm kind of leaning in the direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. And um, it just seems to set the tone for what, what follows. And if I do get lost, then I can go back to the intention. So it's almost like, you know, breadcrumbs on the trail back to where I set out from. So um, I don't know. It just resonated for me in that way. And it. so I'm, I might say, may I discover X, Y, and Z and mm-hmm. use that kind of language because um, my tendency is to kind of, um, in trying to achieve something, it becomes kind of a harder mm-hmm. um Ask to myself. Then, if I say, "May I," it like leaves some opening. So, I guess I wanted to share that. That's, um, that's something that helps me um, set the tone for the experience for myself. Yeah, that's wonderful, Jim. Yeah, I I think that's a it's a great
0: practice, whether someone does it formally or informally. Um, it's just just reminding ourselves of why we're doing this you know um um I think the um to use the breadcrumb analogy or um to use that you know I think um I think part of what I was trying to do in my um opening remarks was reminding people that we're actually not going anywhere else but in a way the breadcrumbs lead right you know <laughs> you know it's a, in a strange way like I think The reason I sit is because without the constant reminder of sitting practice, I'm always looking outside. I'm always looking for something else, right? Um, And it's only when I sit, not only, but it's like, it's when I sit is when I remember most clearly that there is, it's like what I most want is to be right here. And that's actually sometimes the hardest thing to allow ourselves to do because we're kind of always frantically, you know, yeah um looking outside elsewhere yeah yep. thank, thank you thank you Jim, for all that yeah anyone else hi hey, bernie hi rick
2: um i found it really helpful tonight when you just simply said if you're irritated mm-hmm. um acknowledge that because i think for the first time in a while, I felt irritated, um, during the session to the point where I was just like wanting it to be over, which I don't think is something I have really felt during meditation in a long time. Um, I think my mind was just racing. Like I was frustrated of not being able to sort of be in the present. Um, yeah, I don't, I think I just wanted to mention that. And I, I think, it made me sort of remember I think a few weeks ago you had mentioned like it's not there's a difference between seeking and or getting to tranquility or calmness and like awareness and I was thinking about those things as well Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it was very helpful just like you said that and that sort of brought me back to something oh yeah I'm irritated that's okay um but it was interesting because I hadn't really felt that before
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And the reason I say anything during these guided meditations, it's like they're almost like just like meant to be little cues that people can internalize. I mean, they're hopefully they might be useful, as it was for you in that very moment. But also, they're like cues, like that people can just sort of tuck away for the future, like, oh, because it is so hard to remember when we're just frustrated, irritated. Actually, like the thing to do is just to let that be. You know, because the irritation, the energy irritation is already like that energy of going elsewhere. Like I want to move. I want to like, I want to get out of this moment. Um, and, and no matter how unpleasant the moment is, like that's the gateway to the present, but it just requires us to like see that, you know, and that's, that's the hard thing. Yeah. You know? So I'm really glad that um, you said that. And that I'm glad that, that the little, that little throwaway line was useful in that moment. Harry, did you have something? Were you gonna? No. Hi, Amanda.
3: Hi. Um, I also had um, a a if you will away line that you said that really stuck with me. Um, in this practice, I think. And I'll, that being said, I can't repeat it verbatim, but it was something mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like feel what it is to be sitting here. Mm-hmm. Like now, and I, I really appreciated that. And I think what, what clicked with me, it was, an I guess, a way to maybe even reinforce the loving kindness practice that kind of tied mm-hmm. it into that for me. I, I don't remember if you actually said like right now, mm-hmm. uh, the way that you have in some of your past loving kindness, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, language, yeah. but there was something about it that just made me realize, oh, when I'm resisting, I'm resisting something that I don't want. It like it, it always comes back to compassion, basically.
0: That's really interesting. I did not intend to 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 um invoke that kind of connection, but it's actually like really beautiful that you you brought that up. And um, I think that is the spirit of just feel what it's like to just be as you are right now. Right, you know, there's actually um, a chant that we used to use at um, in uh, a Zen center that I used to uh, go to for retreats, which is, and it was like a four line chant, but the last line was, "Being just this moment, compassion's way." And you know, like, and you know, we can make a big deal about compassion as this feeling that we're supposed to generate and direct towards something, right? But actually, at its core, it's just, can you be this moment you know because when you can't that's where something other than compassion is is interfering right you're not you're not warm you're not warming up to the moment you're not open to it in some way and that's and something's closing down so yeah i think that's that's really great amanda um i'm glad it it, uh resonated in that way with you and i like that connection a lot yeah Hi, everyone. Hi, Carrie. Uh,
3: hi. So referencing your your comments at the beginning of our session before we started to sit tonight, you really helped me um, find context for something that I've been curious about that I notice when I go on an extended retreat or even when my practice is very consistent and I have a committed daily practice that's, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, I will all of a sudden go back to being a vegetarian Mm -hmm. and i think basically what you said about that oneness to me like we're all one that makes a lot of sense for me when you put uh that that language to it because to me uh the the passive sort of lifestyle or the the passive choice to to not eat meat Mm -hmm. uh yeah, yeah, it just made a lot of sense for me. I know I'm rambling in this moment, but uh, it made a ton of sense for me.
0: Yeah, no, we weren't rambling. It made a lot of sense, what you're saying. Yeah, thank you, Carrie, yeah. Um, Hi. yeah I think Oh, oh Bernie, sorry. It's Jeannie, I'm
3: sorry, my video's not working. I'll work on it. I'll figure out what's wrong with it. Hi, just, Jeannie. It, It made such a difference. There was such a peace about being able to see my mind wandering so much. And your words helped so much because I could see, oh, look, you're doing that. Okay. Mm -hmm. It made me accept it and to notice it so much and so aware of it. And that really makes such a difference. I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Right. I mean, I think, you know, it's very natural um, for us to feel like if or have the thought that if I'm getting good at meditation if I've done it then I should be able to like calm my mind down right I should be able to like experience peace or, or calm right um but the truth is that actually like the mind just does different things at different times and sometimes it'll settle sometimes it won't and really what we're doing when we practice is just learning to, notice and be, you know, accept whatever it is doing at any given moment. Um, And um, just like you're talking about, Gene. And I think the thing is like, when you can do what you're describing, like that is a kind of peace that is so much more stable than the kind of fragile peace you can sometimes cultivate by sort of calming the mind down through like a concentration practice. You know, sometimes that kind of tranquility that you can achieve by like following the breath very intently. Like, yes, that's something you can do, you know, and it's not always gonna work the way you want it to, but you can do it more and more as you can, but it's actually quite brittle and fragile. Um, And the kind of equanimity that allows us to behold the mind, sometimes calm, sometimes not, right? And it's just, okay, that's just, that's just part of the drama of the mind. Today it's active, today it's not, right? is a kind of calm that is indestructible, you know? Um, And the reason that the Buddha actually said that shamatha, like the one I talked about a couple of weeks ago, that peace is not actually sufficient for liberation is because he understood that that kind of peace is no less a part of the conditioned world than everything else, than mortality, illness, and death, right? You can develop peace, but it's just something that you can, it's it's gonna pass, you know? Um, It's not gonna, it's not gonna stay, the kind of awareness that can see the mind become calm and then agitated calm agitated and not be moved that is real peace i mean um so sometimes we think oh this was a good sitting you know because it was quiet because the mind felt settled but it's actually the kind of sittings that Rick was describing, where you're like, you're like, God damn, I wish this would end. You know, this is like such a pain. You know, I want this Like those are, I think, and I'm saying this really, it's not like some some kind of where I'm trying to make lemonade out of lemon, you know, lemons. Like those can actually be the sittings that are most transformative and powerful. Um, because you're widening in a way the the scope of what you can tolerate without becoming unsettled you know you're widening right so yeah it's just like this, and this this is part of what I was getting at the beginning it's like what we think we're doing what we think the goal is matters a lot that we understand that you know otherwise we can be so frustrated because like I'm sat for like three years and I still can't quiet the mind predictably like okay once in a while I have a nice sitting but just often enough that it frustrates me all these other times when i don't right but that's misunderstanding what the practice is actually meant to do you know um it's developing that deeper kind of calm that comes from being familiar with all of this or natural movements the flux of the mind and of reality um, okay so um I'm sorry, but the on uh, irregular schedule. I did a lot of this this last month and this month. It, I, it'll hopefully settle down into something more like regular. But um, I'll be on retreat two weeks from now, so I'll see you guys um, hopefully the the fourth week of February. Okay, and you'll get your reminder email. so you don't have to keep track. Like you'll know each week, like whether we're sitting that week or not. So you don't have to you don't have to try to like keep track of it. Can we sit for just a like, you know, half a minute or so together be- before we say goodnight. Mm-hmm. okay everyone good night really good to see you all take care thank you bernie thank Thank you you. thank you bernie
3: it was dopey